Greetings, Space Burgers. A big warg to all of you. Coming at you from a cave in the furthest reaches of our known universe. Welcome to the Space Cave. I'm David Huntsberger. And um, if you haven't heard, these are, the, these are those tapes, which is the other podcast I do with my friend Wendy Molino. You can find that on Apple Podcasts as well. It's silly and fun. It has nothing to do with anything. It's just a, a real goof em up. Uh, and if you want bonus, you know, additional content uh, beyond this show, you can find it at uh, Patreon, where I did uh, pretty much a full-length episode uh, last week for this show. So thank you to those of you who do support the show, because it is made possible from contributions from listeners just like you. There are never any ads. I'd like to keep it that way. So thanks to those of you who do support the show there. Okay, let's get into uh, some hardcore chatting with a gentleman who's integral into this show, makes it happen every week, edits it from the goodness of his heart down under in Australia. Here's a little catch-up via Zoom with our pal Dan Pritchard. Start video. I'm going to press start video. Yeah, there you go. Is that doing anything? I can hear it. You sound great on my end. Can you see me? I can see me. I can see you now. I can hear you now. You sound great. Um, Am I not distorting, Dave? No, you sound like a phone call. So even if we just had to use what I have here, I think we'll be good. Sounds like you're on a a phone, and that's... um, That's weird because I've got my USB mic set up here that I've been using for years. It's pretty good. It's pretty clear. I would say it's like a 9 out of 10. There's some distortion that just sounds like technology got in the mix. So it doesn't sound like we're in the same room, but it sounds pretty good. It's the same model mic I sent to Aaron Burrell for his uh, podcast, uh, but it only lasted two episodes. <laughs> I don't think it was the mic's fault. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez. I think mean, we a bit of trivia there. Yeah, that, I mean, when you that, get that's it, something literally only a dozen people might. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of. Uh, I would ask my musician friends sometimes, like, what constitutes a band? Is it putting out an album? Is it recording a single song? Is it rehearsing one time, but you had a name? Because music people really love that. Like, they only got together and did four shows. But if you don't know them, you don't know music. Hmm. And I feel like if you if you know podcasts and you know the Aaron Burrell experiment, you really know <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I think four shows constitutes a band. I think you can say we had a band, but then you could also say it only lasted four shows. Right. Mm. But magical. Four magical shows, and uh, maybe there's some bootleg recording somewhere, so then it, that, that makes it official that it actually happened. I find during this time, maybe that's some of the reason that people uh, are a little... 
hesitant to do anything. I feel like a lot of people are just kind of mired down in uncertainty, so they can't go forward because there's this impending feeling that the world is going to end. And for whatever reason, the the trivial things that we do, we feel like they have value. So if you're a, a band and you put out records, which are just easily meltable by the sun or any kind of heat, you feel like you did something tangible. If you built something like a statue, which that's so weird that we equate that with being permanent because you go to virtually any statue you've ever seen, very few people are familiar with the maker. And if you somewhere find their mark or their signature on it, you go, oh, there's a person, but you have no idea who they were. They don't matter to you at all. But hopefully when they died, they were like, "Ah, that was a good life. I left behind some physical, tangible things. Well, if it, if it's if it's big in your brain, you tend to um, project it outwards and think that you did a thing. Yeah. Um, and uh, but even though it's not real, so many things aren't real. Uh, but they're real to you, and uh, that's the, that's the, that's what separates us from the um, pangolins and bats. <laughs> that's the only thing that makes us do. They're just going along existing. I, I always f- used to think of that when I was a kid, that if you're waiting in line or uh, whatever it is, to, like say when you die, you kind of have this blur of sort of, oh, this is what it all was. And you travel down this kind of ethereal tube of some sort. And then at the end of it is you kind of plopping onto the ground and you have to look around and go, oh, I'm back already? Look, it seems like I'm some sort of gazelle or something. Oh, I think I'm a reindeer. Where am I? Mm. Oh, it's, you know, you'd piece it together slowly and be like, oh, there's there's nothing to it. I just quickly was back. There's no middle area like a purgatory or heaven or hell where you get to really reflect on it. You just go back immediately and then you just do the best you can in that space. And if you're a reindeer and you live a long life where maybe one day when you have a giant set of antlers, some... A First Nation hunter takes you down and it's the pride of their life. And then they hang your inanimate head on their wall or something like that. But you've already gone down the tube and you're back. Now you're in a whale. And maybe there's some level of, like when they say someone has an old soul or something, people that just can kind of travel through this and be like, I'm just here. I'm just in this body for a bit. It doesn't really matter what I do. I always find that kind of... um, the, the nature of a person that seems like that really fascinating and endearing. You've given me a lot of information there. It's going to take more than a few seconds to process, but <laughs> yeah, maybe soul, maybe souls can't be destroyed and they're just uh, washed and uh, put back into, maybe that's what souls are. Maybe that's what consciousness is. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're just, it's just refreshed and then stuck in a new um, meat sack, which is a phrase that gets overused I don't enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> but the the feeling of an old soul or, or like uh, a comfort with being here seems like you're, people are endowed with it. If you're new, if, if you're just trying it out, people that have high anxiety and things, it would be understandable. It's, blo- I mean, the logical uh, assessment of it, I guess, is that it's just genetics. It's just the way our brains are wired up. But it's mm. fun to think if it's something else. If it is, uh, if you got so used to going down that tunnel, 
and being like, oh, all right, I was just a lawyer. Now, oh, I'm a squirrel. Okay. And then you're just back doing it. You would you would develop this complacency, I think, that I want to try my best. I want to, maybe there's some logic to like, you get to go to a more pleasant physical body, what you referred to as a sack of some sort, this bag of uh, bones and organs and whatnot. Uh then maybe that's why we're ho- we're hoping that that's in some way, but maybe there's just absolutely nothing to it. I, these are these are pot smoker type thoughts, but uh, I think they're valuable currently because people are trying to make a little more sense than usual of like what is life as we know it? Is it going to continue? I don't think any of us particularly thought it was a hundred percent prior. Maybe restructuring it in a certain way after the fact where we can slow down some would benefit everybody. Definitely. Let's slow down. Let's think about food miles. Let's think about uh, product miles. And it doesn't mean that we have to stop buying products from um, our neighbors Mm -hmm. uh, and people across the oceans. It's just that um, we may want to get back to a traditional uh, wholesaler, distributor sort of thing. So they bring in a, uh, like I got some new earbuds yesterday and um, it was just a little box that came all the way from uh, China. And, uh, you know, it would have been better if it just came from my capital city from a distributor. They bought in a container of them. That's a reasonably economic way to bring in earbuds by the container. And this was traditionally the way things were done, uh, you know, just 20 years ago. Seems a more economic way. Food miles are an easy one. You just cruise down to your local supplier and and buy your food there. And um, I suppose, you know, don't buy a dragon fruit chipped in from... Guatemala or something like that but that's just up to you if you buy the dragon fruit they're going to continue to come if you make a choice not to uh, that'll slow down we have this thing here and I'm curious what the agricultural design is in Australia in that here uh, there's a big problem where these giant farms they produce so roughly 50% would go to consumer and the other 50% is kind of more like um, bar and restaurant. So they produce in more bulk kind of mm-hmm. commodities. And uh, because that that resource or that uh, revenue stream has kind of dried up completely, you hear these stories of entire fields of, say, potatoes or onions just getting left out to dry and rot, uh, milk being poured out. Pretty soon, they're probably going to start euthanizing some of the animals that they can't can't feed. They can't afford to keep yeah, around. Sure. And the whole system breaks down in a way where you would feel like, wait, but couldn't I just drive out there and say, how much for that pig? I'll slaughter it myself. I know a guy that can quarter it up. Um, I think more more realistically, as people are going like, I don't, I don't really need that. I can survive on without the meat from that pig. But say to keep the pig alive or at least give it a more honorable death and consume its nutrients, say that you went to the farm to do that. They would go, oh, there's a lot of legalities there. We can't just sell you a pig directly. We have to euthanize it and feed no one with its meat. And I don't know how accurate this is, but it feels like this is the sort of thing that is happening where there's a tremendous disconnect with like, how do we get food to the people? Well, we can only get food to buyers. We can only get them to distributors. We can't get them to a single person. That's weird. We don't do business that way anymore. Is that, is that happening at all in Australia or are you guys more in a more small sort of um, 
fair trade kind of system. Yeah, well, uh, like I live in a, you would call it a small town. We call it a small city, um, 40,000 people. So it, um, overwhelmingly, most people go to the supermarket to get most of their food. But um, I guess you'd say probably 50% of people will go to a farmer's market, will go to a uh, farm store, um, uh, uh, not if not regularly, semi-regularly in the season, you know, sort mm-hmm. of stone fruit season and, and, and pick up uh, things and also um, neighbours trading you know, uh, good stuff. You know, I we put in a new vegetable garden um, last well, last winter, so we're just coming into this winter, and um, I just wanted to give it a really good shot. So I planted way too much for three people. So <laughs> I think I I would have given away around two hundred kilos of veg to my co-workers. Wow! So that ha- happens a lot. Not not at that level, but uh, um. But, you know, that happens a lot. So, But I don't think the people in the big cities uh, have the same sort of experience. Yeah. I think it's a lot of, um, I love saying this word, bodega <laughs> popping in for yeah. four items, the four items that I intend to eat tonight. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you know that sort of life. If you've not experienced it, I'm sure you've seen it on Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I think, you know, we're pretty American in that in that way, but the way that we're not American is it's basically the same continental landmass with only twenty seven million people, mm-hmm. and you know, sort of California's got forty seven or million or whatever it's got, and it's only half the size of my state. <laughs> so it it's totally different ball game when it comes to infectious diseases and <laughs> stuff like that. It's fairly easy except for those you know those five big cities that we have in the in the whole country what do you suppose the reason is that you know because one you could say like the way that your land structure is but here we don't have a ton of people i don't know what it is yearly people trying to either legally or illegally come up from and it's a giant population south of us that is pretty interconnected so but it's still far i mean if you're trying to come from chile to the united states that's a long journey if you're trying to go from i don't know where say someone's trying to come from china or somewhere in korea and they want to come for a different or better life in australia um it's i would be curious of the numbers that people still brave the atlantic you know a a flight or however they're going to come from Europe or the Middle East or even as far away as Asia to the United States, it seems like we are a hotspot, a destination, so that our population of 300 million is always rapidly growing. Uh, why is why is it that Australia, 27 million, I mean, that's less than California. That's Because uh, we, we, we don't, most of it's desert. Mm-hmm. Um, so whereas you've got like this huge sway, those flyover states, as they love being called, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, it's a lot of arable land. If it's if you know if you can't put veg on it, fruit mm-hmm. and veg on it, you can certainly put some sort of grazing animal or set it up for. Um, <clears throat> pardon me, Dave. Or set it up for um, you know corn or something that 
doesn't take a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we don't really have that, even though we have massive amounts of land, say, compared to uh, Taiwan or, whoopsie, or Denmark. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's nothing like what you've got. It's nothing like what Canada's got. It's nothing like what Russia's got. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, um, so even though we've, and, and, and us, and us white guys, for some reason, we got ourselves in a state of n- negative population growth at some stage. Mm-hmm. So we realized, you know, that, um, I don't know why, and I'm not going to wax lyrical on, I'm not going to guess, but, you know, big families amongst the sort of white population started to, you know, not be a thing. So we had negative population growth and and the government just sort of ramped up its immigration policy because, um, you know, if if you're not growing, you're going backwards. Uh, But I think there's now, now we're at a point maybe we can, think about let's let's be a bit more um let's be a bit more norwegian about this you know or something and just look after the small population that we've got and see if we can do that a bit but i I don't know but i don't i don't want to stop immigration by any stretch of the imagination Mm -hmm. but um i guess we've got to think about how many people we can we can handle experts years ago i saw some uh, um I said they, they sort of said about 35 million seemed, seemed to be the max for the water and for the land. And um, if you're talking about infrastructure, we're way, be, you know, we're way behind. We couldn't even, couldn't even handle that because, you know, I mean, you can drive wherever you want, but you can't get a fast, fast train or anything um, economically sensible, <laughs> you know, or, or economically sustainable. Just don't have fast trains. Our fastest train goes you know, 65 miles, miles an hour, not very fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did I sort of answer your question there? I thought I answered some questions. Yeah, it's fascinating. It got me thinking about, like, when you mentioned Norway and these countries that we don't spend a lot of attention. We don't, I don't know global economic policies or immigration policies the world over. I know that the United States gets frowned on when, when we um, try to try to restrict any sort of access and i think most people here know like it was founded on the idea that you know, like give us your tired your poor your huddled masses this is a land of opportunity and freedom that's what we're a melting pot that's what makes us great when you establish something that way though uh and a large percentage of the land mass is you know um suitable for growing food and things so we can we can really yeah. uh in, we can house and or care for a tremendous amount of people if we do it correctly and so but the native americans were already doing it correctly they already made it great yeah uh, they landed there whenever they, um, they landed walked however they got there and you know they spread out across the entire point yeah they were thinner in the rocky mountains they were more populous in maybe the you know the LA plane and, uh, and stuff like that, and it's the same as in Australia. You know they they had it all worked, they had it already all, all worked out, and um, and you know that was the model to go with, and um, you know that's worked out in a, in Australia. Like a lot of the big cities are in these really g- great climates, <laughs> you know, and it, it's exactly the same as what the the native people. Um, would have done so but uh, you guys have having such a nice climate sort of throughout except for the big mountain ranges means that you can handle you know 
four or five hundred million people. And Dave, you're going to get them. Yeah. And you've got to take them. It's the law. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I was thinking about um, what exactly where like my train of thought led to what you said, like the native people. It's such a different thing to show up and be like, guys, guys, we're uh, we're changing it dramatically. And what a horrific backstory or like a thing that's kind of in the closet of this country that everyone's very aware of, but like, yeah, don't discuss that. Especially now this new sort of uh, voice of people that's getting a little more publicity that's kind of of the ilk of, well, we need to, we need to close down those borders. We, we we were here first, that kind of feeling, which is so laughable. I'm like, well, we certainly were not here first. And to change our... It would be fun to think about... Kind of, I I don't know that Westworld really nailed it. Uh, I feel like when I watch Westworld, I get like 80% of it. And I'm like, I'm sure there's someone out there that understands every element happening in this show. Overall, I think it's a fine story. But the variety would be interesting. And I guess you can go to the taiga now and you could live that kind of life. It's very difficult, I suppose, to immigrate anywhere uh, effectively and just have like all of your faculties about you and not have to worry about reapplying or, you know, getting your papers up to speed. But what if the United States was still in a very native sort of, you know, um, state where you would have to make that decision? Like, I'm taking a steamship, and when I get there, I'm giving up all my possessions, and I'm going to just brave it. I'm just going to try to, like, live off the land and live like these people, and it's going to be taxing Mm. and challenging. It would be nice if there were places like that on Earth that you were welcome to give it a shot. Like, chances are you're going to die from the elements pretty quickly. One of the warring tribes that doesn't like you might take you out. But you'll be, if you have your wits about you, you, you stand a fighting chance, and life will be exhilarating for as long as you can stand it. I know it's like just people do more things these days. Um, you know, like the people have got so many boxes, like going back to my mum and dad's time whereas that when there was younger people i mean it was just get up go to work have one or two hobbies mm-hmm. and it was all pretty manageable and you know if you only did did four things in a day i mean i don't mean the four things is like brush your teeth eat for you know yeah. apart from those ablutions uh if you only did four things in a day it, it was it was perfectly fine. Now everyone's got to, you know, have a podcast to make sure, you know, the social media. And I mean, I don't know what I'm sounding like here. I'm uh, sounding like an old fogey, but you know, I've been more more involved in the internet than the average average person. But um, we could have tipped over into into doing too many too many things in a day, meaning that, you know, we're not going to, uh, you're not going to do all those things well. Yeah. Uh, you, so, um, though, I mean, though, I think that's my, my, my takeaway from, from where I'm at and, you know, I might be doing too many things and, and, uh, but where does that, where does that, you know, well, what is that for your, um, for your immigration and, and moving around sort of thing? I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I think Japan's probably the best country as far <laughs> as organizing. You know, you know, so, you know, if you've got some J- Japanese specialists into <laughs> into sort out the American immigration problem, they'd probably nut out something pretty effective in, in three, four days. Unfortunately, it wouldn't suit all of your separate... Uh, um, 
you know, it, it wouldn't sh- sh- it wouldn't suit the right wingers. Probably wouldn't suit the left wingers either. But it did suit it did suit the moderates. Yeah. Which uh, which are really holding the holding the place together because you, I mean they're going like this and holding the moderates <laughs> are holding the two two sides <laughs> apart, saying guys guys aren't they really? I mean that's uh, that's how I see America at the moment politically is yeah yeah I if would, moderates is a term that 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 tracks in America. I was, Am I using the right phrase? Yeah, I think so. I would say people. The term I see coming up now is centrists. People will describe okay. that. <laughs> Whatever means like being kind of in the middle of it, where you can see a little bit of each side. And it seemed like it used to be more so to me about like I want the government to take less of my money, and I'll I'll be good about it. I'll 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 donate. I'll I'll funnel money back into the community. And the other side being like, the government should should provide roads and schools and all this, and I'm happy to, for my taxes to go there. And somehow it's become these things that involve like five or ten different major tent poles that realistically a lot of people cross over with. There's only the very far ends, I think, of all five or ten are like, nope, all my five or ten are over here, and all of yours are over here, and we are diametrically opposed on all of them. I think, too, with the... Uh, Going back to kind of immigration and the, the the pursuit, you know, if you had here, what gets brought up a lot is the tax rate changing uh, mm. from around the 70s where workers rage, workers profits have just stayed flat since then for 45 years, uh, whereas corporate profits have skyrocketed since then. They're always just squashing down as much as they can, eliminating jobs so that they can squeeze a little more off the top. Uh, so someone that did, yeah, like get up, get a lunch pail, go to the factory, work, could come home, own a home, have a garage they could open up, and like you say, work on their mm. motorcycle or whatever hobby they had, yeah. wood shop, and and have several children, and some of them even you know save a little money to send them to school somewhere. The, the thing now that's so incomprehensible that now, yeah, like you say, someone, two people, both members of the household work. 12 hours a day to come home and then fire up their podcast or whatever they're doing to try to make a little money on the side. Maybe they rent out their house to strangers when they leave. They use their car as a cab on the weekends to make extra money. There's a million things people have to be doing to scramble. And yet the feeling is that in other countries and other places where there's no room for that mobility, we they will be looking at like sort of over the fence like, boy, that looks pretty sweet. I'd love to hustle like that. I'd love to have control of my own uh, goals. I'd, ha- I'd like to have this mobility where I could amass a fortune. So then we look at a first generation, and this is generalizing. This is going to sound, uh, I, I hesitate even to talk about this uh, in a forum like a podcast because it sounds so dumb. But just a generalization from a few local businesses I've seen. I'm, I would love to hear from someone that's like, hey, dude, that's me. I'm a third generation of what you're talking about. And you're way off base. But the first generation shows up and it's time to work. So whatever they open up, a restaurant, a liquor store, some sort of bodega like you talked about, and they work. They are there 24 hours a day. They hustle. But they're not so concerned about things like the environment. So a lot of their takeout boxes are styrofoam, a lot of plastic utensils, etc. And we all just go, boy, this place is great. It's pretty cheap. They're always there. They hustle. They really work. I like supporting them because, you know, that maybe they don't speak English great or whatever the case may be. They just got here. But they are hustling. They are doing. They're living the American dream. The second generation maybe gets put in a position to, do I take over this business? I don't know. My parents came here because they wanted to make money and they did well. 
but it afforded me the chance to go to school. And then, so maybe they go to school and they become a doctor or something. Then their kid, the third, sees all of it and now has a chance to look at kind of the footprint that was created by all of this, the the scrambling nature of of accumulating wealth. And it's that third and fourth generation that are like, I'm going to be an acoustic guitar musician, or I'm going to be something that isn't so scrambly. And then the cycle just kind of repeats itself, perhaps. That's way too general, but it feels kind of like how it goes. You know, look, just listening to you, you know, you're talking about one person or two pe- person or uh, people or, you know, a, a family against an organization. Yeah. And what's it mean to be an organization? Well, it means you're organized. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that it's, that's it's at, at its very essence. So that means it's got all these different departments and you can understand why Amazon goes so well with all the input being put in put into it you know mm-hmm. we're talking about putting input into something i've got a little plant here you can't see it but it's here uh we're watering it we're giving it sunlight we're going to fertilize it at some stage if we stop putting input into it i mean it's going to die if we put less input into it it's not going to go as well so these these huge organizations they they look and they say oh this is working this is working this is working but only in winter in summer it's all different like, and and people are people and organizations are organization big things made up of people so it, uh, it's no, never surprising to me that mcdonald's is slaying it yeah they certainly should be it's surprising to me that ever any large organization ever goes out of business medium yeah. organizations i can understand but you know it, it totally makes sense to me but you can sort of run your life like an organization if you want that's what they t- you talk about the you know, your marie or maria quando people can't under people can't decide what her name is uh, <laughs> you know you, you can you can go with you can go with that um but it's not really realistic is it over the course of a year or a month or you know you can do it for a few days, but it's it's not sustainable because things happen, yeah. And you lose your focus. Well, and it comes back to our, what are you trying to do with your life? Amass money, you know, have a nice, safe, secure house where you can send children to college somewhere. Are you trying to make so much money that you can contribute to a cause and cure a disease somewhere else in the world? Are you just trying to have money and store it in the bank to show people, like, look at me, I'm the best? What are you trying to, you know, if people come here and they feel uh and by here i mean the united states they come anywhere and they feel like i just need a chance to to prove that i'm good at something so i got a job doing this and i'm gonna work all day every day and then something like this quarantine shuts it down and they go what was i doing why was i why was i doing that i was selling ad space for companies i don't care about or whatever their job was people are now getting a good chance to maybe reflect and be like did I even like what I was doing or did I just like that I was making money and so busy doing that, that I never really stopped to think about these other things. Cause if you are helping one of these companies, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, the lines from what I hear are around the block sometimes to get into them with drive throughs yeah, sure. And yet everyone kind of is aware that this isn't going to be great if the middle class and small independent businesses all are wiped away by this. Now when we come back and it's just the corporations dominating every corner and 10 more McDonald's open up, how's that going to help the quality of life coming out of this? Yeah, well, um, you know, they're good at they're good at their job, these organizations. And um, 
uh, yeah, but I don't think I think it's an opportunity. I think it's an opportunity for small and medium producers of things to just take a Coke model and um, just roll it out on a in a one town sort of thing. I mean, McDonald's isn't food. McDonald's is the processes of making the food, and it's really <laughs> real estate anyway. That's what McDonald's is. You know, mm-hmm. that's their core business, real estate. I've got a cat here who's playing up. He's, he's <laughs> getting quite excited that Uncle Dave is on the. F- <laughs> um, and uh, you know, uh, and the, you know what makes McDonald's work so well. <laughs> And uh, this is not sponsored by McDonald's. Is it that you know they really know how to get those shakes out quickly, and they really know? And and um, you know, if you want to open up a burger joint, you could say, "Oh, we're going to be a mini McDonald's." Yeah. Whereas I told a couple of friends the other day we were having problems with their cafe business because currently there's just too many five, uh, too many ten dollar a pop, um, ten dollar a sandwich. Uh, cafes at the moment like there's just too many high-end cafes in town i said uh, you know what this town really needs is uh, mcdonald's but sandwiches you know <laughs> just mcdonald's but sandwiches <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we, we we really need so you know think maybe think about how you how you could do that not that i'm in any sort of business leader i just noticed that the, we were down a couple of sandwich joints <laughs> so you know not uh, not top, not top shelf thinking. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what do you think about that? I mean, you know, look at podcast networks. Aren't aren't they like a, aren't they like a a, a Coke or a McDonald's or an Amazon or something like that? In in yeah. a way. Well, yeah. Ten years ago, when we were getting started, uh, we were having some frustrations with the the network we were at referring to professor blastoff obviously um and there was a there was talk at that point where we were like what if we broke off and started our own network and i think at the time i was very well aware that like that's going to be the future that's going to be these tent poles are going up very few times in my life have i seen oh oil derricks are going in i could be standard oil I, i knew that it was happening and i was aware that uh, even though there were things like Nerdist and um, a handful of others that were pretty big, th- there was still wide open unclaimed territory to start a new one. I started thinking about my life doing that, and I was like, there's really no amount of money where I would want to spend my time or my life doing what that takes. And that sounds so weird because you're like, but you could have millions of dollars now. Maybe. There's no guarantee there at all, hmm. but sometimes you can see things like that. Like if you saw a fast food thing, could you really envision yourself pioneering McDonald's and it getting to the point where it contributes to obesity around the world in a way where you have to go like, boy, I was really trying to make a profit and cut costs. And I, I sold a sandwich for less than you can buy a block of cheese. I really had to cut corners at every single measure uh, I, I didn't see it that way with, with po- doing a podcast network, network. I strictly saw it as like what we started talking about at the beginning, which is what do you want to do with your life? Sometimes if you want to do your thing, you have to bypass other avenues. I'm sure there are plenty of people that are like, I wanted to be a great painter. But I man, when I was in college, I saw that there was a desperate need for people to pick up 
side, you know, sidewalk waste. So I just got a couple buddies and we went around in the truck and then we got a second truck and then pretty soon I was managing a crew and then we bought office space and then I was just working in the office all day and pretty soon yeah, now we have this giant corporation that does sanitation stuff and I, I don't know, I never paint. And you go, well, you made yeah. that choice. You Even though you just thought it was a means to a quick end, you you allowed this route to take off and you of course you can look from your high-rise office building and your beautiful view and go it didn't work out so bad but if the real core of you is like but i wanted to be a painter you have to kind of stick to that at all times and uh the podcast network to me is i knew it was going to be like cbs and all the studios you can liken it to any other giant thing that is controlled by eight or ten huge huge empirical sort of powers and even if there Mm. are 500 of them right now it will soon get whittled down to the big ones just like coke and pepsi purchasing up all the small ones yeah absolutely right and um you know i I could see the same thing when um you guys started to have ads i thought oh this is it now and i was i was very very pleased because it meant that something i loved was going to grow Mm -hmm. and be be sustained and so I, I thought that that was fantastic, but it was easy to see, you know, if one, if if one, I think it was only you were, were you the second, second or third, your third or fourth program from Ewolf, something like that, yeah, something you re single digits anyway, certainly. Mm-hmm. So you know, if um, if Comedy Bang Bang was profitable and Professor Blastoff was profitable um rinse and repeat you know so it, but, but but many didn't many weren't big big successes you know i can remember an early brett gelman podcast you know yeah. it went for a while look who's 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 funnier than brett gelman yeah you know not many people you know you can say that about literally hundreds of people but you can't say it about millions of people <laughs> so you know you, you know brett, brett he'll never hear this but don't be upset but uh, i mean you know he's hugely funny but it but it didn't turn into a huge um podcast and and stuff like that and 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 many just continue to bubble to bubble under, but they're still turning a small profit. So now you've got your big earners, mm-hmm. um, your cheeseburgers, your Big Macs, and then you've got your six pack of nuggets. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> underneath or your or your shamrock shake, you know, your lime shake or something like that. They they do a small profit. Let let's have some of them. But I noticed Earwolf's been losing a lot of shows i don't know what they're doing over there i presume they know what they're doing they're probably um trimming trimming um the fat sounds horrible but yeah but um they're working to some sort of program that we're um that we're not aware of because we're not on the inside or you may be on the inside like a mole (laughs) yeah maybe i'm secretly out here getting intel that would be That would be a real corner that the uh, podcasting world had turned where it was, it was just an arms race, network against network. I don't think it's come to that yet, but um, I guess you have you ever know. heard about organ- have, have you ever heard about companies who have their employees get jobs at other companies to do poorly <laughs> with the idea of going in and then bringing down the company from within? Have you ever heard about that? <laughs> I've heard about it once, and I've decided to make it a mainstay bit of knowledge in my life that it actually happens. <laughs> it's it's there. It's happening all along the time. with what I think. I think you said one day. Did you ever mention? Did you ever? I'm. Uh, I've been attributing to you in my brain that people were paid to like go to soccer matches 
and mention like what's a popular detergent brand tide or something uh-huh. like like and to mention like a proper uh, just at soccer men- uh, on the at soccer matches to to the other parents or something like that. <laughs> that's not you, is it? I don't that think was never so. You. No, I, I've said a lot of things over the years, <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I've forgotten so much. People will sometimes have you ever go, heard of such a thing? Yeah, I, I think I've heard of it. I certainly it sounds like something I could have posited that like if I were operating a big company, I would have people doing because buzz marketing. That's what it is. How often do you find yourself going, Hey, we should watch this show. And someone goes, what, how, why? And you go, I heard it was good. And then you start running through your head and you're like, who did I hear that from? And then you go, Oh, I saw one person tweeted about it or something. And I just think like, they seem okay. Or something like that. Yeah. Like there's no veracity to it whatsoever. There's just uh I don't know. It's, it seems as reasonable yeah. as anything Kurt else. Brown, Brownola. Kurt Brownola. He knows TV, right? Oh, <laughs> well, let's. <laughs> but but I, do, I tend to do it at, at work. But I'm I'm pre, I'm fairly discerning. If you know if someone someone who I like and is funny say says you know definitely watch this. I'll definitely give it. I'll definitely give it a go. But if it's if it's someone who seems like a bit of a dope. <laughs> Yeah, I'll just. Uh, I won't even. I won't even commit it to the. I won't even commit it to the hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just blast on. Speaking of your work, I mean, how is it? Uh, are you guys still forty thousand people? You're still open, able to go in, or is everyone wearing masks? Yeah. What's it like? So regionally, it's a it's a big hospital. Um, <clears throat> what is it? I guess it's two, about 200, 230 beds it wouldn't be big by city even australian city standards but it's it's a it's a base hospital and um as soon as things got really serious well we started socially distancing even when um the virus was contained in china because we knew we'd be having people coming back from southeast asia Mm-hmm. and um, being relatively close to Sydney, which is, you know, the biggest airport, we knew that we'd get a few people um, coming in from Southeast Asia. So we started to not shake hands and um, social distancing, but then the hospital said, bam, one day, and everything changed. Departments got moved around. We had a, we had a hot emergency department and a cold emergency department and then stickers you know went up like this is a three-person room this is a two-person room and they sectioned off a covid ward straight away and then we had extra training um you know into uh ppe you know we, we all knew ppe but you know refreshers and and um and uh, you know it all happened that was the first rollout, and then it got sort of ratcheted up a bit further where people who got punted out of certain areas then got punted out of those areas. <laughs> <laughs> like people got moved around even further to create more space and create space for emer- more emergency wards. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, – but our local health district, which is probably uh, about a one-third the size of – California, you mm. know, a big area. We we peaked at forty five cases, which is, you know, it's a small number. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah so, and uh, and we had two COVID patients come into the hospital. One who very sadly died, and then we 
had another one come in a little bit later and it was misdiagnosed. So we, we really only had, had two patients come into the hospital, but we were all ready. We were all on the edge of our seats. Yeah. And, um, and you know, but we've, there's a lot of good takeaways from this for, for the health system because, you know, visitors were restricted to two per patient and, then they were, and kids were banned and then um, it was ratcheted up to one visitor per patient and then uh, we were having you know no one can enter the hospital without temperature getting their temperature checked now and like it's really it's really very strict and, and really effective well with your and with your wife being uh immunocompromised currently yep. you know what's your protocol when you come home do you scrub off all your clothes and hop yeah well uh, we used to just leave and leave for work in clean clothes and come back in clothes i suppose totally covered in germs the same way everyone does mm -hmm. and um then i'd just get get changed after work but now you know germy clothes go in a bag and they just go straight into the washing washing machine mm -hmm. so but i mean years ago all your uniforms just used to stay at um used to stay at work and they just used to get laundered in work i don't know whether that's still um, protocol in some hospitals but uh, proved to be you know not cost effective um so um you know i'm containing the germs pretty pretty well there and um and ash has been she's been working from home since before covid started you know just just a uh, a couple of weeks mm -hmm. before so she's been pretty isolated and so it's it's worked well oh, and um i go um, i have a mandatory flu shot um, which doesn't protect against COVID, obviously, but um, you know, so it means that I probably won't get whatever the late, the latest strain of flu is, and I won't bring that home. Mm -hmm. So we're pretty we're pretty well contained, and um, you know, we've we've had fairly strict oops, we've had fairly strict uh, restrictions. You know, as far as in the community, as far as social distance, distancing, like Australia brought in um no gatherings over two people which is pretty strict yeah i think a little while ago so no social gatherings but um, most businesses are okay to trade but there were restrictions on travel um which were pretty well enforced um and you know you can get pulled over if you're 100 k's from your well you can get pulled over if, if you're one k from your house but if particularly if you're a, a fair distance away from your house they want to know what you're doing and a fair and a good amount of fines have been handy it's been really effective but, look, but you, we've got some big clusters in the big cities and um they're not you know the clusters aren't rampaging out of control but if i was living in those suburbs i would certainly be i'd be very concerned yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's a nasty bug you don't <laughs> You don't need very many parts per million for right. it to affect you. Yeah. And, um, you know, but it, it, it's, it's serious. Well, how are your dum-dums? I mean, our history, you know, with uh, breaking away, you guys were more so sort of, and this is, apologies if this is a negative, but people go, oh, that was a, a criminal island. That's where they sent people and they sort of quarantined or yeah. isolated them on this island. The United States was more, you know, obviously we were colonies that went, hey, we're getting taxed too much. Here's what we're going to do about it. And then we break away and we fight the Redcoats. And then we write this constitution. And within it, we write all these 
thing. And then the first thing we do is make some amendments, and the top 10 of them are the Bill of Rights, which we then really get honing in on you can peacefully assemble you can you know you free speech mm. all these great things that make the united states such freedom of religion uh the right to keep and bear arms at a time written when they had bare you know just muskets and uh that has translated into our dum-dums adopting these great quotes from over time of like give me liberty liberty or give me death so when you look at like hey there's a house that's smoldering Let's everyone stay away for a bit because it could catch fire. Let's everyone let the fire department get in there and spray some water. And then the dummies go, oh, I don't like it. I'd like to be in that house still. I don't believe it. I don't smell the smoke. I don't see it. Like, well, it's a huge house and it's on the far wing, but it's going pretty good. And then the blaze starts really happening. They don't see it. They don't, they don't believe, they're not in the same room as it. They don't trust it. Now they start storming into other rooms going like, this is a hoax. There was never a fire. And uh, that's because the fire department got a chance to get there in time. The, the scientific reasoning behind it worked. Stay away. Let's get in there and, and focus on putting this fire out as much as we can, or at least managing it. And you are asked within that to just stay home. Just don't do anything. Stay away. The best way for this fire to stay not spreading is to just stay away. But our dum-dums look at that as an infringement on their liberty. You're, you're forcing, what do you say? You're forcing me to stay home? No, no way. So they charge down to city buildings and gather with no masks and scream and yell shoulder to shoulder. Do you guys have anything like that? Uh, yeah, well, uh, some people have been negligent. Um, but because the government, as soon as they, they bought in uh, a rescue pa- package alongside with the restrictions, so, so the first rollout to the um, retired people, you know, to the elderly started, you know, basically as soon as the restrictions. So we looked after the old, old people first and then they said, but, you know, stay calm because there'll be more brass, like there'll be more money, right? <laughs> and because the, the economy was in the black, it, it was an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. you know. So people have been less less concerned, even though a lot of people have, have lost their jobs. But the money's gone out. Um, lots of free stuff has gone out, uh, you know, and, and lots of companies are giving away free stuff, including downloads and, you know, lots of stuff. So, And once we could see, we, we knew because of people returning from overseas and returning on, on cruise ships and stuff like that, that the numbers had to go up because we had to input those numbers into, those people had to come in as numbers into the figures. So we couldn't stop that from happening. So I was like, oh my God, like you're looking at the numbers every day and it's going up and up and up and up. But that had to happen. But then as soon as um, most of the people came home like the majority uh, the 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 curve flattened out so quickly that everyone could see is like this is this is going to work let's stay the course here for two or three weeks i mean two or three weeks is like uh you know your annual holidays or something like that like far from the end of the world yeah the the way the people i was talking to were were talking and um, and then they could see how effectively it is because I mean hand hygiene is is well documented as being effective. If there's one thing you can do to stop you know infection. It's just wash your hands. Yeah, you know. 
it may be more effective than washing loads of other things. <laughs> it just seems it just seems to be so so effective because you're touching everything all all of all of the time, and so people could see how effective it was. And so basically, we've stayed the course, and you know, uh, we just don't have that elements in the in our um, society that want to go down and storm Canberra, which is our you know the capital. Mm-hmm. We just don't have too many stormers. Even when someone needs to storm it, it tends to be more over stuff like, um, uh, you know, now let's look after the farmers or, you know, let's look after the miners or like something like that. It's more like economic groups, if that's the right yeah. phrase. So, you know, I didn't see a lot. People would say, well, flu kills just the flu kills, you know, more people every year. And, you know, I just say, well, like, this is the flu. <laughs> it's like just chuck, you know, just chuck these numbers in with those numbers. I mean, it's the same, it's the same sort of thing because the flu, you know, the flu is constantly evolving. It's just the same thing. You, know, you can't really separate the two. Just take it all, you know, just take it all seriously and, and you'll be okay. Yeah, when we see these charts and stuff with uh, people here will use these asinine comparisons of like, well, we we have highways that kill people from cars. We don't shut them down, but we yeah, have people the- kill people in cars, not not bugs. Well, and honest, <laughs> and it's something you can't go out and catch it. You can't. It's it's not transmittable yeah. in the same way. It's just such idiotic logic. We have these baseline levels that we're kind of weirdly comfortable with. We're like, well, every year we're going to lose this amount of people. No matter what we do, we're going to. Test people are going to try to strictly enforce drunk driving laws, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, look, if you want any of these people problems sorted out, um, the government will sort it out for you. I'm not sure you're going to be happy with the results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to put limiters on cars. You can only drive six hours a day, then it just stops. Make sure you're near a hotel motel. Yeah. You know, you want it sorted out? There you go. It's, it's, it's sorted out. Oh, then they'll be storming. Mm-hmm. Washington over that, yeah. Um, any any of these people related things uh, are easy to sort out. That's why these few things like social distancing and um, and hand hygiene. I mean, it, that's really the two things, isn't it? I mean, can you can you think of any other bigger element in in the controlling of? No, I love um, the, the one of the first you know epidemiologists that I was listening to said. If we, if everyone just stood in place six feet apart from each other for two weeks, it would go away. It would completely disappear. And yeah. no one looks at it that way. People think like, well, I got to go do this or I got to do, do that. Like, well, then you're going to slowly keep it going. You're going to just, there's going to be contact movement. There's going to be mm. hand movement. There's something is going to transfer it from one place to another, from one person to another. Because everyone just keeps going and doing just a little bit. I think the big big spike with people coming overseas is that like people went and seen their significant others, you know, vis-a-vis kisses, kisses and cuddles, if you don't mind me saying, and, and gave them COVID. But other people involved with that significant other weren't necessarily aware that they were involved with the COVID. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I'm saying? I'm talking about affairs here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, I think, you know, there was a little bit of a spike there because people went and seen their secret girlfriend, boyfriend. And, yeah. and, and you know, have you, ever thought, have you ever thought about that? Because we have the numbers we have um, <clears throat> overseas acquired, locally acquired, unknown, unknown. 
<laughs> so no, no, where could I have got these photos? So I understand if there's a food assistant or um, someone who's involved with a lot of coughing over, coughing over things can spread stuff um, yeah. very quickly. But I still do think a significant uh, number of those of those first peak of cases were people going to see their um, bit on the side. <laughs> you know, I haven't heard. It's that. been controversial in my workplace. My views on this. Really? Um, no one's no one shouted me down yet. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, enough. Enough with the kissing and cuddling. <laughs> well, it's not every day I mention it, but I, I say I say look, it's it's very it's very interesting to, <laughs> yeah. to see that these that as soon as soon as they arrived uh, you know, they <laughs> talk about they as soon as they arrived back in Australia, this this number of unknown cases just sort of popped up. Just like that, so it was. I mean, hardly had time time to spread, except these, you know, these bad people. Um, yeah, doing stuff out of wedlock, Dave, which is <laughs> wrong. I like that it just slowly turned into like, listen, people got to get back to good old fashioned family values, and this thing will just go away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'll cost them. A lot of those family values got us to where we are now. <laughs> well, how do you, any projections? Are you trying to stay away from that? Any, you know, optimism, worst case scenario? Do you just not think about that and just process it? I, honestly, I think for Australia, the worst case scenario is we just can't slam this bug because you're walking around, you're feeling fine and you're spreading it like crazy. And then you're a barista or you're a food a food assistant in a hospital uh, or, or your uh, look anything uh, i mean i won't give too many more examples but um that um but so any someone in a cluster gives it to you so the cluster is well contained but someone gives it to you and then you go and give it to like 300 other people i just feel as though the numbers numbers trickling in at our in our state it's like um, uh, our state's seven and a half million people, so very small, but like it's like 12 a day, nine a day, mm-hmm. seven a day. It's just like the, and then once it was two a day, but then the next day it was 11. And, you know, it's just like we, we can't just quite get a, get a handle on it. And I feel as though, as though I really wished, really hoped a few weeks ago that we were just going to be able to stop it dead by by stopping it with the people that now actually had it. Yeah. I feel as though because its nature is to is to bubble bubble underneath um, that, you know, a courier could easily bring it to my town um, tomorrow. Very dedicated courier because it's Sunday. Um, <laughs> but it could bring it to the town tomorrow, see twelve people each of them going see twelve people. And you know we've got it we've got a huge cluster just to, even in in this um, little city, yeah. so th- I think that's the worst case scenario. I, th- I think that's that's in line with what they're saying overseas is that it's going to continue to bubble on for people saying eighteen months, two years, just because um, unless um, unless you're going to um, put these people in in hotels like the, everyone in a you know. Your suburb is divided up probably by a street. So one side of the suburb is Dave Town and the other side is, you know, Beverly T 
town side of the street, you know, but there's not actually a physical barrier. Yeah. So if you said every, you know, because we want you say we want to contain everyone in Dave Town, that's fine, but it doesn't stop air part, you know, it, it doesn't really stop anything, and you've still got to do some things, but. You know, in your suburb, there's fourteen thousand people. Let's put them all in a motel. Not going to work. You, you <laughs> like you, you can't do it. So I think um, I'm having you know cluster stress. <laughs> I stress out about the clusters because yeah, I mean you can see them on the map as a geographical area, but uh, there isn't big walls around that area. So I've got cluster stress, Dave. I believe it. I think we all kind of do. For people in our lives that have um, susceptibility to it, especially, you know, I think if I were just a solo guy, I would, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but um, I have, I have people that I know that are similar to you, like going through cancer treatment, people that are close mm. to me. And like, when I hear them saying, yeah, I was at the grocery store or I, you know, I went to this place and people were just brushing right up against each other, shoulder to shoulder, some of them with no masks. Yeah. And so luckily, a lot of the bigger stores are uh, forcing like, you know, no mask, no entry kind of policies. But it sucks that it comes to that where people have to be policed like little kids. Like, this is, you're infringing on my rights. Like, can't you just think about other people for a bit? Can't you just, the clusters are one thing. There were neighbors next to us the other night having a party. And I just was shocked by that. I thought, ah, come on, California has been doing such a good job. I felt like we're all in this together, but... At a certain point, enough time goes by, it, ju- it become like little kids, you know, like, hey, everyone's got their head down, they're taking this quiet time pretty seriously, and then you step out to chat with another teacher or whoever it is, and you come back in and they're just, they're racing around the room. And you go, oh, guys, you were doing great, what happened? Like, we're kids, we just got a little restless, you know, a minute was a long time for us. Hey, we're, pe- we're, pe- we're adults, we got a little restless. <laughs> This little cat's got to go to the toilet, Dave. I'm just going to step away and okay. um, let oh, him out. You know I'll be what? back. Okay. I'm back. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, I don't want to have to keep you all, all day. I know you've got other stuff to do. Um, but I, I did want to get your thoughts on the, on the positives uh, as far as, yeah, I think we're all trying to do that. Like optimistically, we hear like this Oxford lab that may have something happening uh, with the rhesus monkeys and that they're a close relative to us genetically that there might be something there and i i still don't see how they could fast track it even in human trials where they're talking about like august or september potentially having something functional and i thought it was a mandatory kind of in human trials 12 to 14 months before it can get approved and then you got to start ramping up the manufacturing but maybe that varies place to place and that could be fascinating this is instantly switching it to a pessimistic side that people go oh well this is manufactured in a place where they don't have uh, the similar sort of guidelines or structures as the American uh, Food and Drug Administration. This one, they said it's good. You're good. If you want to take it, go for it. It comes with inherent risks. And then people don't have COVID-19, but then a year later have a atypical heartbeat or some sort of you know thing <laughs> growing on their ear. I don't know. Whatever it is uh, that a whole new set of concerns arises from that. Did you take this drug? Well, you might be entitled to a settlement. Uh, I think, though, that it would be too tempting. If people knew that there was a uh, some sort of vaccine or cure, that they would be forced to wait for eight or nine more months, I think people would start scaling walls and there'd be anarchy. One good thing about this disease is that kids seem to have a really good outcome. Yeah. So that takes out the hysterical patients. 
uh, hysterical parents rather mm-hmm. you think because some some people love their kids and some people really love their kids do you know what i mean it's like some people are like they're providing for their kids they love their kids they're saving for their kids college and other people are like look at terry i mean he's so fantastic look at the way he did <laughs> he can sing he can dance he can do everything he's just amazing and you're sort of like yeah well i guess he's pretty pretty good kid he's 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 an average kid. I mean, he's an all right kid. <laughs> I'm not as excited about Terry as you are. Did you get what I mean, Mike? I did. And, I did. Uh, you know, so so if this disease was affecting <clears throat> the Terrys of the world, I feel as though we'd be looking at a whole new different landscape. And um, well, it's here. Know, it's not only supermarkets might be getting emptied out, but they might be getting torn up. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here we have things like that that I think people turn away from for whatever reason. That maybe maybe it's because it's not children that it is adults. But you know, black and yeah. brown people here so far have been impacted a little bit more uh, by COVID nineteen than than other demographics. And mm. people just go, "Oh, that's weird," but it doesn't have the same impact. It's like, what? It's the Terry's of the world. It's little kids. You know, there's yeah. something about that. Just the children aspect that really grabs at people. And in fact, the other side of that pendulum is that these people that go to the town halls or city halls and gather in with their guns and their no masks and they're yelling, this has been, you know, uh, it's this, the virus has no, um, what would you say? Ah, there's a word I can't think of for some reason, Uh, but it has no prejudice. It just attaches itself to whoever it can. And Mm. for the most part, it's people over a certain age that are much more, much more susceptible people with asthma and breathing conditions or former bouts of pneumonia or even, I guess, diabetes or, you know, on and on any sort of health abnormality. However, if you're willing and you try hard enough, you can get it. So I have no sympathy for these people that go there. In fact, I hope they get it. And that sounds really callous and like, Oh, come on, we've got to be better than that. I wish I was. I, it's so disgusting to me that they would risk their own health and that of everyone. So now when they leave their little uh, chant festival, they get in their car and they go to a drive through and they touch maybe the, the person reaching out of the window's hand and now that person is transmitting it to someone in the kitchen there or on and on, whatever. Uh, these are frustrating things to me that they're actively trying to act like carriers for this stupid thing, whereas if they just stayed home, they would eliminate it. So I hope they just gather it there in their little clusters, go home, squirrel away, cough themselves to death, and we don't have to deal with them any further. Yeah, sure. Let's hope that all those people die. <laughs> no, I'm only joshing. Okay, look, I don't know what sort of percentage are those those people. Um, you know, it, it's a small it's a small percentage, but it's a big percentage of your news broadcast. Right. So you know, it, it, it's it's upsetting. You've always in your culture, you've always had those those sort of people. I uh, I mean, I I can't relate. Um, into you know grabbing a gun and going to gather at a place to yell because I'm just far too lazy to do such a thing, <laughs> and um, that's where we differ. Whatever, whatever the circumstance, I'm just like typical white guy. Like whatever the circumstances are that I'm living in, I'll just try and smooth or tailor those to my um, advantage. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's sort of like um, sort of like being in wartime. I've never been in wartime, 
but my my parents grew up in wartime and um it's given it's given us that sort of perspective that it's always wartime mm-hmm. in a way uh you know um not so much that people are trying to oppress you but you're always you know ducking ducking and diving and and trying 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 to get along and um so that's just i just i think that's the way sort of most most people are they're just ducking and diving and trying to get along and sometimes making good choices sometimes making bad choices and extremists are are always interesting because they're just so extreme and they're just so not like they're just so not like you and i yeah you know if you if you like click stop here and then went and grabbed your gun and and said um and said to your partner, "Boy, I'm I'm off for four hours to go and protest down at down at City Hall." You know, that's a, that's a big chunk of your day. <laughs> so much, so much more you could do with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I signed up. For it's one. hard to relate. It is. I uh, I signed up for one of these things, or just put my name on a petition. Like, sure, yeah, it seems like a decent cause. And then they contacted me and said, "Hey, do you want to be part of our caravan as we go downtown to City Hall and let them know?" And I was like, "No, no, I don't. Stay mm-hmm. home and don't block the streets. If an ambulance needs to get by, you idiots that are all packed together, it's insane. It's not gonna. It's not gonna drive home your point in an effective way, causing traffic jams." So you just pick your stuff. And if I saw someone or knew someone that was like, I'm going, I'd be like, well, I got to reevaluate our friendship. But I, I guess I can see your logic behind it. But uh, going down to, hey, I'm heading down for four or five hours. I'm going to shout with no mask on, get as close as I can to people. I think um, I, I'd be very fascinated at the psychology of that person. I just can't even, I can't even imagine what their life must be like but i mean some of those some of those people are probably people you come in contact with they may be your doctor they may be i mean doctor and and unlikely in this case but you know they may be your mechanic Mm -hmm. um you know they may be your physical therapist i mean i i I really don't know but i mean one thing is clear i mean there's a there's a slice of america who that feels that they're you know we should listen to these people because there's a significant slice. I mean, I'm not saying it's 40%, but it's a percentage that you can see that really feel as though they're not being listened to and that they're being oppressed. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe you know, you can address their needs. I, I just don't, don't know what, how they feel as though they're being oppressed. I mean, I feel as though I've got to pay the tax I've got to pay because, I, you know, I want health I want education, I want reasonable roads, I want reasonable infrastructure. So I pay that. Then every time I need to do something, you know, there's a fee for this and that. By the way, you have to pay those fees if you don't want larger income. If you want everything to be free, you're going to have to pay 75% income tax. <laughs> so you can, you can pay it one way or the other. You know, I feel as though if I want all those things, you know, I've got to pay tax. I'd be very interested to hear, you know, what the libertar- how the libertarians are going to get every do- everything done. I, I, I suppose it's just going to be pay for play. Do you know? Do you know I what have, they? Uh, yeah. I have no idea. No, of course not. I mean, I don't. I don't understand. It's a fascinating thing that the idea of fifty people trying to get together to figure out the best way to allocate their resources. There's a fighting chance there that they could be like, "Come on, Greg, you've got fifty times more than everyone else. We need roads. Chip in." You know, if you have forty nine people all going, Greg, come on. But if you have fifty million, even if there is a Greg, 
49 hmm. plus million voices yelling at Greg. Greg's like, I don't have to hear you. You're all just a, sound like a, a buzz of bees to me. So there's no, there's no interpersonal kind of relationships there enough so that you could be like, look, you can see all of our faces. We've all, we all know you. We've all been out there gathering berries or whatever we're doing at the same time. You just happen to find way more berries than everyone. Come on, let's help out here. The fact that we've come together and can even remotely and even like some facsimile of, of like, uh, equality has been established is fascinating to me yeah i guess like the like some people have really strong ideas and other people don't have really strong ideas they just have some ideas and maybe it's maybe it's it just goes down to genetics maybe all the people with those random connection of of genes are going to be fanatics uh like maybe like serial killers or people that like Cheerios. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's just a genetic thing that you can't actually fight against. And there's always going to be those recalc- recalcitrant genes. And so, but they, they, they find each other somehow and you just, and you just can't get around it. I mean, uh, in, in Australia, I just, I just feel as though, you know, it's a big country. It's a rich country. We've had hard times. But we've but we've not actually been you know, been bombed by Nazis. We've sent people over to be bombed by Nazis, <laughs> you know. But, but we haven't been you know had too much of that ourselves, and and we just we just on the whole very very cruisy. So it, I mean it's uh, but I think America is somewhat the same. I just can't understand why some people uh, are so angry. Maybe it's just the genes, and you can never win. You know, maybe it's just genetic and they'll always just be there, but they'll just be moaning about different things. Yeah. But going to a public place with a gun is just, that's just wrong, should be just banned. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird loophole in the rules to be like, well, I can, I have the right to open carry and concealed carry. I also have the right to peacefully assemble. I gotcha. Whereas if, again, going back to like, if you and I were in charge versus like, you have like libertarian, then you have, well, if you and I were running the system and the, everyone had punched a little response card that said, I value being alive more than being dead. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep you alive. It will be self-driving cars. It will be this, it'll be this, it'll be this. Certainly you're not going into public gathering with people that are highly tense with guns. There's just no way that's going to happen. It's not going to end well. But however, there's some loophole action here. Um, going back to your th- your thing too about like the genetics of it all, I, I was it made me think of this Forensic Files episode, and uh, they had investigated this crime. They interviewed a person who passed a polygraph test, and then they kept kind of examining more and more data, more evidence, and they couldn't find anyone. So they brought in an FBI profiler that was like, this person will be roughly this size, this age, will dress like this, uh, is the type of person who could pass a polygraph test, for whatever that's worth, and will likely drive a green Volkswagen vehicle of some sort. How they came up with that is still baffling. And the people in the episode were like, I have no idea where that came from. But sure enough, our person fit every single like um, category of that. And then they arrested him, and sure enough, like he did it. They took a blood sample, blah, blah, blah. 
Uh, but wouldn't it be refreshing or just reassuring to have that level of familiarity with a human, to, to see people on mm. TV acting atypical and go, oh, I get it. Your mom did this and your dad was kind of in the picture, but this, and he treated you this way. And then you had to go here, but then in high school, this happened. I gotcha. I, okay. This all makes sense. Of mm. course you would be yelling at a Capitol building. <laughs> yep. I gotcha. All right, buddy. Well, good luck. You would have so much more empathy for everyone because you could kind of understand and how they were built. Mm. Well, I say this at work all the time in the hospital. Like, um, <clears throat> sometimes I use the word difficult, difficult people, <clears throat> pardon me, which is not, it's a derogatory term. I should never use it. But I may use it atypical. You know, it would be great to have this giant gr- mesh graph is to say someone uh, who uh, comes off a farm but has three sibs, uh, and is male and um, and uh, left school early, but blah, blah, blah. And if you took 10 factors and say they're going to stay in hospital because, you know, length of stay in hospital is always a concern. Mm-hmm. It's not good for the hospital, costs more money, and it's not good for the patient because it leaves them open to catching bugs, right? So stay in hospital the shortest amount of time you possibly can. Overwhelmingly, most people want to do that. Some people want to hang out, <laughs> you know, all right. So it'd be, and that's fine because the hospital is, um, it's reacting all the time. It's not, it's not preempting these people coming. It's not preempting problems. We're ready for problems, yeah. right? Okay. So when problems come, we pounce and we handle the problem. So the people want to hang out a couple of extra days, and so it ends up costing X, Y, Z thousands of dollars for them to hang out. And um, and so you know the budget gets blown out. But I'd I'd love to to get some scientists working on this. You know, take these ten factors, and you know that when you book them for surgery, they're likely to stay an extra two days. Therefore, you know, an alarm goes off. You know, atypical person. I mean, this <laughs> this sounds like something that um, Rudolf Hess would come up with. But, but, you know, atypical person coming in and you can start planning before. So when they say something like, but my surgeon said I'd be in hospital for a week and they're ready to go after two days. Yeah. The, the, the poor junior doctor's not having this this argument with this person, but you're well now, you're well, you're, you're like, you've had this basic surgery, you're well, you can go home. But my surgeon said, because they, some people really like their surgeons, I really like you, if you told me something like a TV show, I'd take it into serious consideration, you know, <laughs> and some people really like their doctors and they say, you know, but Dr. Brown said I'm staying for a week, so I'm staying for a week. And then short of pushing like a, someone in their 70s, pushing them out of the hospital, you know, you, you did what generally ends up saying, you're saying is, look, it's two days. It's not the end of the world, you know, and, and then they and then they stay. Mm-hmm. But, should, you know, these, these atypical people, should we start tracking them? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just something that you, you've got to, you've got to react to. But diff- difficult people are fun and interesting too. But they, I don't know if I'd say they're fun. challenging. They're challenging, yeah. 
they're, they're yeah. absolutely challenging. And yeah, when if you if you come across one in your life, like you were saying, like someone you know, like, oh, that guy, that's my uh, mechanic, good person. I know them; they are nice. And then I found out they had some real weird leanings this way or another. I'd be I'd be so fascinated. Like, huh? I've spoken with them. They're not insane. This is it. okay. I'm a, I'm following along here, but I'm more out of fascination. If I just saw them on TV. I would be mm. repulsed, but because I know them and have some vested interests, I'd want to talk with them like, hey, couldn't help but notice I saw you at that gathering. What's up? You know, <laughs> We've never spoken about this. Where's that come from? And they'd go, well, yeah, I never, I never talk about it. It's, uh, it's not viewed favorably amongst most people. However, I do think this way, and here's why. Yeah. But what about even small things like people that you love, love that, are con- that are always liked for things, always liked the the non-blown tire amount of time. Like yeah. the, the blown tire amount of time is like 30, 40 minutes to be late. Yeah. But they're always just 10, 15 minutes late. Yeah. And, you know, you, you think about comedian and musician Dave Hill. <laughs> is he late for a lot of stuff? Yeah, yeah, sure, including your podcast back in the <laughs> professional software days. Anyway, that's, that's a joke. But, you know, and you, and you think, why? Why? It's such a small amount of time. So – you knew you had to get up and go to the shower at five fifteen, but you went at five thirty, and you know, and it's just it, it can drive you crazy, or you can say, "Hey, that's just Rodney." <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's our new show. That's just, Rodney. but it doesn't impact your life in a big way. But I think that's the. I think Rodney's, you know, peccadillo and this just genetic. Um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes lateness is, I think it's the exact same sort of thing that could have Rodney down at Sydney, Sydney Hall with a gun gun screaming. I, st- I just think they're, they're not built wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just a different set of genes. Like, you, like you've, got, you've got comedy gene and I've got different genes and I just, I think they're always going to be there and the only thing you can do is, um, you know, control them. You can't, you can't stamp them out. Well, I guess that's pretty solid logic. I can't disagree with that. But um, <laughs> well, it's been great catching up, man. And I'm I'm glad yeah, you guys are so. safe and healthy down there. And um, glad you're taking the proper precautions at home and in the hospital. And um, thanks for sharing a little bit of time. And I hope we can um, catch up in person soon. It's good to see your face every now and again. I'll just give you a quick update for anyone who might care about Ashley. Is that... Um, She's finished radiotherapy. She's she's doing chemo chemotherapy. She's on a five day out of every four weeks. So she has chemotherapy for five days out of twenty eight days, and it's going well. And we haven't we haven't had a look at how that tumor is going in there. We're just assuming with all the treatment that it's going well, and she's relatively well, and um, she doesn't have any cognitive effects. At this stage, and so we're just sort of in in limbo, assuming that all the the treatments are are being effective. So, um, when when pretty happy chappies. Good. When would there be the next um, mile marker, so to speak, or you know, kind of checkpoint? Um, well, she's um, she's having a few more seizures than normal, so they're probably they're going to uh, have a tinker around with her seizure meds. And that might end up in a um, in some medical imaging, so that might might end up in a 
MRI or a PET scan or something like that to, to see what it's what it's up to. Okay. But you assume people with um, you know things things being cut out of their brains and stuff like that are going to have have an amount of seizures and it's going to vary with um, hormones and stress levels and and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, they're not too concerned. And she did have a little brain bleed during her radiotherapy, but um, no one got upset. So we didn't get upset. <laughs> we didn't see any concerned doctors. So um, we decided to just take it all in our stride. Good. Um, but, I mean, I'm not her. However it is for me, it's 10,000 times worse for her. So I'm just telling you things from my perspective and and, and facts and um She's just taking it um, day by day, and um, she's got. This is a second month of chemo, and she's got ten more months of chemo coming up. So it's um, it's just a case of you know staying the course. Cool. Well, I'm I'm glad you guys are um, have each other. You're both very sweet people, and uh, so far, so I think being surrounded by uh, positive thoughts, you guys are both pretty upbeat. I think that's good, mm. and then hopefully. Um, the Spaceburger crowd will continue to send um, warm thoughts in your direction. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the unknown Spaceburger crowd, they're quiet, aren't they? You don't hear much from them. <laughs> they're out there. They're out there. Only you're privy to the numbers. Yeah, I never check them. I'm I'm I think it's funnier if zero people listen. But there's a handful of people on like Patreon and stuff. Every now and again like a review or something or a rating will happen and I'll go, Oh, okay, someone's listening. But I I think it's funny to just genuinely do something out of uh out of enjoyment and then if people are listening to it, great. And if not, I guess that's fine. If I got caught up in how many people were listening per week and per month and things like that? I might get, I might talk myself out of it. So, um, but I'd I like definitely to think, think that's a, that's a very big option. That's a, a very big option at this at this stage because <clears throat> you've probably got a number in your head which you know it isn't worth it. And if <laughs> right. if it was that number or below, we would lose lose the Space Cave podcast. No one wants that to happen. Thanks, man. Well, thanks. For, I mean, obviously, thanks for your help uh, week in and week out of making it happen. So uh, yeah, we've really right. kept this ship afloat for more episodes than Professor Blastoff did, which is crazy. We're at like four or five, four and a half years now or something. I mean, it's it's wild. You've almost got to keep doing it now for the big payoff, you know, <laughs> when you get so far into a, into a thing where it's now easier to keep doing it, waiting for... Um, well, I know you're open to Coke. We've talked so much about Coke and McDonald's. I know you're open to Coke oh, and McDonald's yeah. sponsorship. Well, I think I don't feel as bad now if I miss a week or two sometimes uh, because I think a lot of people binge it. And so it, it, uh, there's such a back catalog now that I, I, I assume very few people are up to speed and have listened to all of them and are anxiously waiting week to week but maybe i'm wrong i like to keep it as when i when i don't get enough dave i can i can check out um allison rosen as your new best friend because yeah. you're over there i'm pop over there from time to time i'm findable i'm out there in the world just yeah there's 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 other dave content <laughs> that's true and there's there's other white guy comedians to check out hey 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 come on don't be sending <laughs> business other places there are very few of us <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan, no we'll send uh, my best to Ashley, and um, thanks again for thanks, chatting, mate. man. Good to catch up. My best to, to you and yours. Thanks. All right, see you. Have ya. a good day. You too. Bye. Nice to hear an Ashley update, and thanks to those of you who do send 
positive energy in that general direction. Just thinking about our friends. I think it helps. Um, we're doing the same for Gene Hospod as well, who's recovering well, um, hasn't had any complications after getting back from surgery, and uh, seems to be out doing well, walking around, up on her feet, being uh, healthy, and hopefully you're being safe if you are out in the world. I don't imagine anyone who listens to this show would be out roaming around without a mask on, like one of these maniacs uh, out shouting at people and stuff. But not everyone who has a compromised immune system has a shirt or something that tells you as such. So just assume that if you're going out into public, those are the people that you're potentially jeopardizing. So be safe out there. If you do have to go out for some reason, wear a mask. We're getting through this. We're a couple months in. In the Patreon episode, I talk about uh, some of the methods or I don't know what you would call them, habits that I'm trying to implement. Um... And some of that has to do with why there hasn't been, and may not be, regular releases for this show every single week, but I'll try to do a pretty um, consistent job of getting it out there. But uh, sometimes you got to occupy, occupy yourself and uh, stay busy, just keep your mind off of things. So I talk about that in the Patreon episode. I'll also be sharing some uh, bedtime stories if you're having trouble sleeping and try to give you some visual things to to maybe help with that. So if that sounds appealing, check out the Patreon. And um, if you want to do some good in the world, I think it might be too late with all the checks coming up, but if there's another round of stimulus checks, uh, splitthecheck.org, compliments of our friend Yoichi, and uh, theventilatorproject.org. If you uh, want to contribute to a place where maybe they're going to you feel like you had a little help in, in curbing this. And if you're staying inside and f- helping flatten the curve, you're already doing enough as it is. But if you want to do a little bit more, uh, thanks to Maddie, who works at a grocery store, a lot of people in our little network of space burgers here, I feel are doing very um, inspiring things. So keep it up. Great job, everybody. And thanks again to Dan for chatting and helping the show go. He really does make things a lot easier Uh, make it sound so crisp and smooth as you're listening to it. And finally, let's get out of here with a contribution from another member of our little network of friends here on the show. A lot of creative, talented people involved in uh, listening and or sending me stuff every now and again, whether that's just a nice email or a tip to uh, a guest or a beer or some music. And this gentleman has sent in quite a great deal of music as far as the overall catalog for the Space Cave, probably the most played artist on it, and I love it all. I think he's only getting better. He just released an EP called Morgantown, which you can find on Bandcamp. You can download the thing for free, but come on, art shouldn't all be free. Give him a couple bucks. He's earned it. I think it's some of his best work. I think you're going to like it as well. Uh, the song's called Window Life Some Other Day. I hope you like it. From our pal, Kristofsky. Thanks for stopping by the Space Cave. May you see me through this window light Make it all true Every last of the us lie I'll concede my level head to your tilted
catching the sun, sneaking her rays through my open window light. The forward motion is implied, a million moments overnight, lost to dreaming, then finding flight on some other day.